Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com slash independent. That's wfa.com slash independent. Welcome to the Wellstack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of Wellstack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Craig Ramsey, Chief Operating Officer at Advisor Engine. And today's topic, the power of the CRM and how financial advisors can use data and technology to create a better client experience. Craig, it's finally happening. We've done a million videos over the years together, but thrilled to be speaking to you on the podcast. That's right, Shannon. Great to be with you. So I know while most listeners are probably familiar with Advisor Engine, just to get started, can you explain the platform a little bit? Sure. So we deliver a complete wealth management platform, CRM, portfolio management, client portal, digital onboarding, and business intelligence. And that's all connected. So firms can elevate their client experience, drive operational consistency, and then grow revenue. And in terms of who you serve, assuming RIAs, IBDs, banks, insurance, wealth clients, uh, just exactly. want to make sure I have all the bases right. covered. <laughs> okay. And okay. as part of that, the way we do that is integrate deeply with the custodians. So Schwab, TD, Fidelity, Pershing. And what that does is really create an overlay to help advisory firms maximize those relationships through data, workflows, actions, and the like. And because I do love analogies so much, and I just want to be very clear with listeners, Advisor Engine can really be looked at as an alternative to Salesforce and CRM and Orion on you know portfolio management, if you will, correct? That's right. Um, we do also collaborate with both of those firms. So from an integration standpoint, advisors can use modules from us or them, for example, but um, that is something that has been nice over the years. Orion, for example, as a partner working together to make sure we both get it right for firms, um, because not everyone is always going to choose a full platform at the same time. And when it, it comes to REAs utilizing technology to ultimately drive business value, you know, just to really set the stage for the conversation, Craig, how would you grade the average RIA currently? How would I grade them? <laughs> I would give a B minus. Okay. And I'll say... The wh- where I get that is I'll give them an A for good intentions and a, a C preference. grade for execution. So if you combine <laughs> those two, you get a B minus. But I, I think your listeners who work in operations are probably nodding right now because a lot of wealth management firms want to improve operations just from an execution standpoint um, to get internal benefits. And then, of course, client-facing benefits too. Um, we actually did a study with Institutional Investor and it showed that major execution gap 89% of participants believe that providing a high quality digital experience to clients was an important competitive advantage, but only 34% have actually advanced past the development stage even. So we're in a moment of positive alignment around where the world can go and clarity on intentions, but we've been slow as an industry and incomplete on how that's getting actually executed. Makes sense. And you're jumping ahead on me on my uh, stats all section, folks. <laughs> no, no. And I, I appreciate that context and that and that background. But before we do dive into that segment, I want to talk about you a little bit and what makes Craig, well, Craig and how you ultimately got here today and 
you know, what originally got you interested in our industry? Um, sure. So happy to talk uh, about kind of my path here. Before I do that, I want to flip the script a bit. And listener, if you're hearing this, it means Shannon didn't edit it out of the podcast. But um, my team a few years ago actually tried to hire Shannon. They said, hey, this person, you've got to get her an advisor engine. She's incredible. She's passionate about the industry and the like. I tried to come in and close her up at the end and she rebuffed the offer. So well stack should uh, keep taking care of Shannon because uh, she's been, she did turn us down uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, uh, full circle. It's, uh, uh, we truly have. And uh, if, if, if it, I, even though this is audio only, um, if folks can probably hear me blushing through the, <laughs> through the audio. So look, advisor engine is an incredible organization. Love what you guys are doing, but you know, my home is here in media. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, I'm ha happy to uh, give quick background. So my grandmother actually was the one who got me interested in the industry. Um, in her house, she had a little teddy bear that was reversible. And if you flipped it inside out, you could go from a bear market to a bull market. So oh, I, love I liked the bull, the bull, of course, when I was a little kid. But she was born in you know, the 20s. And years ago, she started making her own investments. And when I was young, she bought me just single shares in a couple of different companies. And so when I was little, it sparked my interest in ultimately working on Wall Street. And uh, I mean, fast forward to today, I have stayed in financial services. She was ahead of her time then, no? Like already? She in... was. Wow. She joined an investing club. Uh, no, she she definitely was ahead of her time. She she enjoyed it and um, got me interested when I was pretty young. Oh, that's incredible. So talk to me a little bit about your first job then. Okay. So the first financial services job, in some sense, I was a bank teller in high school. So my favorite colleague, uh, shout out to Jewel from many years ago. She was the she ran the drive through at the at the bank, and as a junior team member there, I was what you might call a utility player, um, doing the things that anyone no one else wanted to do. So actually, I'll give you a story on that. I one summer we were doing a new branch opening, and there was a guy who was supposed to stand out front in a lion costume. Our logo was a lion and he was going to be waving in new customers to the bank. Well, I think he was pretty smart. He mysteriously didn't show up because uh -huh. <laughs> I think he had seen the weather forecast for 96 degree heat in Georgia. So I volunteered uh, and regretted it damn near immediately. Uh, and I can still smell the inside of that lion head uh, from standing out front, but there's your, your bank teller story. But no, I, I like I said, I've always been interested in, in finance and started there and then kept progressing um, through the space. Well, it certainly didn't deter you. And I will say that probably built some character as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. That's a great story. So tell me a little bit about how your career has developed then over the last 20 years since said smelly lion head, just because you've had a really interesting vantage point, having worked in asset management, wealth management, and obviously technology. Sure. So I've been very fortunate to work with some pretty amazing execs and entrepreneurs in financial services, going back to management consulting and investment banking advisory days, um, and then moved into strategy and an asset manager. So you're right, I did get kind of that fuller picture of where the industry was. And what gets me most excited now is more on the entrepreneurial side. So really energized just by building the business. And something I love about the advisory space is there's a lot of symmetry between what our team and advisor is doing every day and then what our clients are doing. So it's just a nice cultural fit with a lot of business builders, especially RIAs who have gone out on their own, started their firms and, and built it, built them. So um, I think the constant for all of us in this space is change, uh, which I really love, 
because it does create those opportunities for growth. And I think it takes courage to execute against. Sure. And that, again, it's not just on the technology side, but that's advisors as well. Courage to change, to keep keep evolving. A friend years ago in venture capital said, Craig, whatever industry you're in, it's going to be going through a period of bundling or unbundling. And so the more you can understand that dynamic, the better off you're going to be. And so you see that, for example, in entertainment, you got everyone unbundling and now creating and distributing their own content, hundreds of streaming services going the other direction. I think in wealth management and asset management and technology, really the convergence of that is at a bundling moment. And what I mean by that is you see it with M&A consolidation, tons of M&A across the board, but you also clearly see it on the solution side. So there are so many great options out there now, but the challenge is how do you actually bring it together if you're a wealth management firm? And so at advisory firms, we talk with firms daily, weekly about their struggles to get that cohesive integrated technology adoption. And so I think it's on us collectively to help people take a platform mentality to be successful. And I could talk more detail about that, but that's really the mentality that you're really bringing everything together to deliver, being very intentional around what you need internally and then externally for your clients. Yeah. So dive into that a little bit, this platform mentality. I've heard you talk about before, and I feel like we are at an inflection point in our industry. I mean, you take a look at that Kitsies map and it's hundreds of companies now watched it explode just in a very, what seems like short amount of time. But then you have the banking side of things where, you know, the regionals are starting to collapse and that we need consolidation there because there's just too dang many at this point. So talk to me about this platform mentality then. You mentioned the chart of all the logos. <laughs> um, I was on a panel last week and one of my participants, a consultant said it was the shiny object chart. And I told her that's a lot nicer than what we call it. We call it the seizure chart because you look <laughs> at it and it's, it's uh, I've heard a lot of things, place so, mats, but, lunch mats, but that seizure chart's a new one. <laughs> exactly. And it's, I'm, I'm not trying to give uh, Michael and Craig Esco, it's too hard of a time. It is hard to plot it all. Uh, and, and they're doing a service to the industry, but it it's yes. also can be a disservice for people who come and look at it because they can get pretty overwhelmed. But to bring that together, I do think your point is kind of a good segue into that platform mentality. I'll give a description in two ways. The first is the technology itself. So whether or not you actually buy a platform like an advisor engineer or Ryan is less of the point. More of the point is if you're a wealth management firm, especially if you're growing, you your firm has to take a platform mentality. You have to look at the consistency across the entire client lifecycle. So that's how do you get somebody to become a prospect? How do you turn a prospect into a client? How do you turn a client into a raving fan? And so that lifecycle needs to be supported by a true platform mentality that plugs in at all those places I just mentioned. And so, of course, we try to deliver that together to help firms. But even if you're not using a solution like us, it's critically important. And then on the more advanced side, another way to look at that platform mentality is for wealth managers to look at their own business as a platform. So look at Apple, right? You, Rich Cancro um, has presented in T3 in the past on this topic where he used to like his Fitbit and the like. Now he's got an Apple Watch. Everything is part of the Apple ecosystem. Apple clearly is oriented that way. A lot of wealth management CEOs, you go back several years, never thought that way. But now more and more, they're starting to. Um, I remember a lunch probably 
seven years ago at this point with Joe Duran when he was thinking about his business at United Capital. And Joe, I think, had a platform mentality. Joe was really thinking about how do I productize? How do I repackage our advice and be really proud of it, but maybe deliver it differently to our clients, depending on who they are? So I think about it in two ways, the tech itself, having a platform mentality, and then for wealth management firms, your business can become a platform too. Um, so you can tell I'm, I'm passionate about that. We talk to firms all the time about it. Well, I appreciate the background and your market perspective, and that's actually a great segue uh, into our segment of Stats All Folks. And speaking of that platform mentality, you know, I want to talk about how the CRM is really the central hub, or at least core component of an advisor's tech stack. But I am admittedly still a little mystified that in the recent T3 study, the total CRM market penetration was around 96.4%. You know, how does this category not get to 100%? My mind is still blown. <laughs> so I want to flip that on you a little bit now again. So how many U.S. eligible people voted in the last election? What percentage? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Actually. I think it's like 62% or something 62%. like that. But wow. uh, Pew Research also showed if you look at smartphone adoption in the U.S. among adults, is only 85%. So I think 97% is pretty darn good. And I think... I am not personally as excited about spending time in the last 3% because candidly, if you don't use a CRM right now, you've either got a really good business going, just you and a couple of relationships and no tech, or you're in a really tough spot because I don't know what you're doing in Excel. So I think, uh, I think it's a pretty good number, 96, 97%. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I, I appreciate the positive spin that on last it. last 3% is going to be tough to convert. So <laughs> I good was going to say at, the, at this point, if you love your post-its in Excel, we're not changing your mind at this point. <laughs> That's changing religion at that point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. And we obviously can't talk CRM without talking data and really the importance of data hygiene because an advisor's CRM is at the end of the day, only as good as the data that's in it, right? And in such an increasingly competitive space, wealth managers obviously need accurate, up-to-date information to allow for that faster decision-making. And it really seems like the competitive advantage for data-driven firms is pretty clear right now, right? It is. And what I'll tell you is when you meet with high-performing wealth management firms, it's amazing the talent that they're developing. I mean, the roles today in data and the like are so much more advanced now, even than just a couple of years ago. And so some firms can't hire those roles, others that and you need to partner, but the need is clear and it is in some ways as complex as, other, as ever. Um, so it's so important that firms continue to build their muscles around how they think about data because it can well-run wealth management firms have such a good handle and, and many don't. Um, so there's a big opportunity in the industry, as you mentioned, to keep using data for internal reasons, for the client experience and the like. One thing I was most proud of recently, a CEO that we work with uh, called us up and said, hey, I just want to let you guys know, I ran my board meeting using zero PowerPoint slides. I just ran it out of your dashboards. And that felt incredible because it's one thing to build a product. It's another to hear examples like that, where somebody's putting it in the market and it is, if you've ever been in board meetings, they're very slide heavy. Yeah, So that's got to feel really good for, for Tony and the team to really deliver through the dashboards. But the other thing I would say is when you look at the scale of data, this may sound like an obvious point, but it just continues to really, really expand. Um, I did a quick poll before our call today and I looked, we're serving over our clients, our wealth management firms, 
are serving over 500 billion in assets of their clients, uh, over a couple million households, 172 million documents I saw this morning that are oh flowing through the system. It's and you know, 112 million actions in the system. So that's our data right now. We're approaching eight terabytes of data, and that doesn't even include a lot of the documents in AWS. I don't have to get too technical with it with you, but that was four and a half terabytes a year ago. It's six terabytes now. And in a couple of months, we think it's at eight. So it's just wow. really, really rapidly growing. And so it's never been more important to have good talent at your firm as a wealth manager to keep developing to deal with data. So whether it's new hires or your existing team, being smart about how you use your data, uh, really key. And obviously, as Advisor Engine continues to scale and grow and take on and and work with the, this amount of data, how are you looking at that moving into the future? You know, how are you future proofing uh, Advisor Engine? And it's a really interesting point that you bring up talent because obviously, with roles shifting so much, there's a bit of a gap there just in education and learnings and folks who can really fill those roles. So, how are you considering all of that right now? Absolutely. So we've tackled it a few ways. The first is um, just top down with our leadership team. So Raj Madan, our chief information officer. I know you've you've met Raj over the years. I remember you interviewed him years many years ago when he was at Pershing. <laughs> I think you might have been dad the girl at that point. <laughs> <I> yes. <was. laughs> uh, Raj has done a fantastic job in partnership with Patrick Arnold, our, our head of product. Um, the two of them. It's always a balance of existing client requests and maintaining versus innovation but I really think those two are getting it right uh, for the business. And then um, just continuing with our team, we do see people in terms of their roles, raising their hand for special projects and the like and continuing to develop. So I'm in my role, I'm always in the lookout for our organization. Where do we have high performers? Where do we have people who can do a little bit more uh, and take on what we think about as the horizon, maybe something that's not today in, in use, but that we know we want to deliver for firms in the future. So that's how we think about it. And how does Advisor Engine, you know, differentiate itself? You know, what would you say are your kind of core components that that help you stand out in such a crowded marketplace? Sure. So it's really two areas. The first is platform and the second is our partnership. So on the technology platform itself, firms come to us when they're looking for a solution to really scale and grow their business without sacrificing the high touch client service model that they have. So we are not a great fit if somebody just wants to use a CRM as a Rolodex, for example. There are better solutions out there just for somebody who's only using it as contacts. But if right. the firm has a team who's looking at workflows, different touch points with their clients and the like, we, we can be a really good fit. Um, on the, I'll go back a few years ago and tell you where we were losing business and where we've invested. Um, it's been, it's felt really good. The two reasons when we would be in a sales process where people would say, hey, we we are not going to go with you guys. The first one was on the data side. So we are now multi-custody. Um, so before we were only individual custodian centric. Now we have all that data and workflow across custodians, which has been a big lift. And then the other area was around portfolio management, our depth of our performance reporting. So those things we were now on par there and, and in some cases ahead. And what the reason people are excited about that is because they've said, hey, look, your efficiency of your platform, how modern it is, is awesome. It's really going to help our team spend way less time, but deliver great client service. We just need these things. And now that we've delivered those, that's been been great for us. Um, and then on the partnership side, sounds cliche. It's hard to market this because everybody says they're great at client service. But our team 
predominantly based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, lives and breathes this. And so it is not an easy thing to do when you're running a technology service organization to keep a team, to have retention, to have people motivated in their roles. It's hard. You're getting calls every day. I forgot my password. How do I use this item? It's, it can be stressful with client calls, right? But for us, we take a lot of pride in the in the consistency of our team, the growth of our team, really talented and have been doing this a while with us. So we have a 98% client service satisfaction rating. We're so proud of that. And so the partnership side is a big differentiator. Um, and then last thing I'll say there is we hired Amber Career. She came to us from TD and Schwab. Um, she's done a phenomenal job with the relationship management team there. So all in all, um, technology differentiates us and then also the partnership side. Well, I've always been impressed too, because Advisor Engine has always been much more about just slapping logos on the website and saying, hey, we're partnered with these folks. Like you actually take it to a deep, meaningful level to create that seamless, frictionless experience. We definitely appreciate you saying that. We, we've we made some hard decisions and not gone as broad sometimes with integrations in favor of going deeper. And people don't appreciate how hard that really is. I'm not talking about single sign-on. It means really deep workflow and data integrations with other fintechs and certainly the custodians where we really excel. So I no, appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. And speaking of differentiating, we have to talk about Action Magazine. I'm a huge fan because it truly is a publication meant for community building and not just advisors, but really for other staff at firms, for the folks that are, you know, really just, you know, boots on the ground, getting things done. So would love to hear a little bit more about how that all came about and what are some of the takeaways folks can expect while reading it? Absolutely. Uh, this is another area I'm really passionate about. So several years ago, we asked our clients, what content would you like that you are not getting today? And it was amazing how consistent people were. It was some variation of, we get so much good trend information in the industry, whether it's what McKinsey puts out or what the custodian surveys put out of the like. But I got it. I got it. I got what I should do and why. How do I do it? And so that kernel, that insight led us to launching this magazine called Action with truly actionable content. And so a few years ago, I was talking to an industry journalist, Suleiman Din, uh, who I know you know, and we both connected so well on this. And I said, hey, would you ever be interested in joining and um, launching something like this? Because he was feeling the same thing in, in his role as a journalist that he wanted to dig in and, and do some practical, tactical, actionable content. And so I'll, I'll tell you, I'm just amazed at the job Suleiman has done just at building this community. So it's not content about our product. It's content that can really help wealth management practitioners and leaders get stuff done. It's You may see hats if you go to conferences that are GSD. That's Those are our hats that are for get, get stuff done. Or if you're Carly, our chief <laughs> client officer, get shit done. Um, I love it. <laughs> so that came from a client years ago saying, Hey, you guys, you guys are just a GSD company. You know, you help me get stuff, your technology helps me get, get stuff done. You know, your people are GSD. So we we made the uh the GSD hats and that, that's kind of in line with action as well. So I would say if you're if you're listening, would encourage you to go to Advisor Engine Action magazine uh, and subscribe because we put out monthly content that people we've been getting really good feedback. And I I, I would I do need to thank the advisory group. It's just a really awesome group of people, you know, there's a group of consultants. So April Rudin, Brian Hamburger, Doug Fritz at F2, Suzanne Syracuse, 
communications professionals. So Marie Swift, Matt Ackerman, Megan Richter at Intentionally, and then uh, wealth and asset management practitioners. So Amit Dagra, True Independence, Frank Pare, PF Wealth Management, Ritu Gupta, Bessemer Investment Management, Sally Cates over at Dynasty, Stephen Dover at Franklin Templeton uh, Institute. Just they've done a phenomenal job in helping Suleiman and I get this thing launched. And, you know, we couldn't be more excited to keep doing the content. And really the five areas we cover, just so you know, number one, operational effectiveness. Number two, client experience or relationship management. Three, investment excellence. Four, culture and strategy. So how do you build your team? And fifth is revenue growth. So those are the categories that clients identified and what we publish in the magazine. Thanks for for asking about it, Shannon. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. Well, I, I see it everywhere, every conference we go to. And I know you just had the print publication. Was it at T3? So when can folks expect the, the next print edition? <laughs> so the next print edition is actually going to be out at Schwab Impact. Um, oh, okay. And in the meantime, we'll have content that's going to feed into that. Um, you'll see it really every week. We come out with new stuff. So, um, But the next print edition itself will be in the fall. Fantastic. Well, appreciate you sharing more background on on that. It's an incredible initiative, and just it's amazing to see a technology firm, cre- you know, be driven by content like this. So, uh, congratulations on the launch of that, and really excited just to see where it goes. And speaking of of roadmap, before we get to our next segment, I d- I have to ask because I love a good roadmap question. What's on it for uh for Advisor Engine moving forward? <laughs> All right, let's talk roadmap. Three areas. First is the CRM transformation. So if you go back five years ago, we acquired a juncture CRM and had to make some hard decisions at the time, had great underlying intellectual property built since 1999, but we had a lot of work that we wanted to do on the back end and then the front end user experience. And so that transformation we've invested in over the last year, um, several years was key for us. So over a several year period, we had some declining market share and we knew that those investments were going to take a while. It feels so good to have turned the corner now. So if you saw the T3 survey, um, we're really picking up growth-wise. Um, we have 77 RA firms right now onboarding with us. So the momentum there has been phenomenal now. We've turned the corner and we're going to continue to invest. So on the roadmap, the area really to be looking out there on the CRM side is around dashboards. So a lo- operational and strategic dashboards. So let's say your firm runs EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. Let's say your execs want to see how your business is performing. Let's say your operations team wants to truly manage workflows in a rolled up way. We have delivered and are continuing to deliver some really cool innovation there. Second, so first is CRM. Second is continuing to deepen our portfolio management capabilities. So really some exciting stuff there around uh, trading, rebalancing, fee billing, and performance reporting. And then third is just continuing on the custodian overlay technology. So helping advisors maximize their relationships with Schwab, TD, Fidelity, and Pershing. Uh, And then just sneak peek beyond the core roadmap. We do have some cool items coming up with our partnership with Franklin Templeton as well that we'll announce uh, later this year. Well, very exciting. And I know wealth management will be there to cover it. That's right. (laughs) Well, fantastic. Um, Appreciate that, Craig. And But it's actually now time for segment two of this episode, which is Ask Us Anything, where I've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you. And we definitely had some folks dropping into the DMs this week. So first question uh, we received was actually around how Advisor Engine is approaching the application of AI. 
loaded question. Can you answer that in a minute? <laughs> sure, absolutely. No, excited to. So I'll give it to you in two. His first is uh, within our company and the next within the product. Within the company, um, we really are in an experiment experimentation mode. So that goes for the marketing team. It goes for the product, product organization, but internal focused use cases, even in compliance. So Beth uh, Haddock, our chief compliance officer, is thinking through implications there on, on what it looks like. So what I would encourage people to do, you hear so much about these applications, just get in, play with them. I'll give a plug. Raj Madan, our chief information officer, did a great standing room only session at T3 about practical use cases for AI and wealth management. And so be on the lookout for some more webinars from him. And also, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn, there continue every week to be cool, specific, very narrow, um, practical use cases of AI that I think are accelerating so much faster than in the last several years. It's really amazing. So internally using it uh, and in the product uh, in our development organization and then within the product itself have some cool stuff in the works too. All right. So staying ahead of the curve, it is. Love it. Yes. Um, so, and we also actually had some questions around, um, you've been on both sides of acquisitions between Advisor Engine acquiring Juncture CRM a few years ago, and then Advisor Engine getting acquired by Franklin Templeton. So can you speak to those relationships a little bit and what it's been like so far being part of a larger organization now? Sure, absolutely. So just starting with the CRM acquisition we made five years ago, there's the product side of things, which I alluded to earlier, which is really just around strategic thinking around how to bring the products together and then executing it. So we've we've nailed that. On the culture side, it's so important, in my opinion, when you do M&A to not view it as the firm that's getting acquired, getting subsumed into the bigger culture. So the way that we looked at it at the time was there was a juncture culture. There was an old advisor engine culture. It's neither one of those. It's a third thing. So we're creating this new culture together. And the way that you know you're getting that right is when you start hearing people say we instead of they. And those little things, they may not sound like they matter, but that it's so important when you do these acquisitions to lean in on that side. I think it gets missed far too frequently, unfortunately. Um, and RAs listening to this can can speak to this with their own M&A, but I, I care a lot about that. And, and so for our acquisition, we had to make sure we got that right. And I feel very good about that uh, where we are now. Um, we actually created a, our company values as part of that process too, which I love and can speak for a long time. I won't do it a ton today, but I'd encourage you if, if you haven't really created a new version of your company values in a while to kind of look at those and make sure they're still representing uh, who you are. And then in terms of Franklin Templeton, so several years ago, Rich and I were making the rounds on capital raising and we had to decide, okay, do we do another minority raise? Or are we open to an acquisition? And when we started, we thought we were going to do a minority raise. I'll tell you the real story of how what happened. Franklin Templeton was not on the first three pages of firms when we thought who might be a good investor. We had a ton of respect for the firm in terms of its capabilities and, and just legacy and history in, in the industry, a ton of respect, but didn't know that, it, that Franklin would be as forward thinking to invest in this area. In New York, Jenny Johnson and team, when they met with us, we looked at each other after meeting and we were like, this, this is the fit. Um, Jenny said essentially, hey, and we didn't know she was going to be CEO at the time, but she said, look, 
we have this great legacy in asset management. We have wealth management with fiduciary trust and other parts of the organization. We want to lean into technology more. And so she said, would you guys be open to a full acquisition, keep the brand, run the thing as an innovative subsidiary within Franklin, and really be an energy center for a lot of what Franklin's doing with clients? Because Jen, the way Jenny was looking at it is she wanted Franklin to be a true partner to financial advisors instead of just seen as a product provider. So those things were so aligned with Rich and I, how we thought about the world. And so I, I can report, you know, a couple of years later now, you never know till you get in, right? right. You have the best intentions and 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 be excited. But I can report now, it's been phenomenal. Um, the the balance that we have with having the resources of the organization, people really caring a ton about it, but also not being smothered that happens sometimes when you you get entrepreneurs joining a big company. So feel very fortunate for our colleagues at Franklin and just the work we're doing together. And like I said, um, there are some pretty cool joint product items in the works that um, in my opinion, there aren't many organizations out there that could deliver on them. Uh, like I think we can between the investments, excellence of Franklin and the tech. So like I said, feel very fortunate. It's hard to know when you go through these acquisitions that they're going to work. So uh, feel great about where we are. Well, that is amazing to hear. I'm I'm so glad to hear that it's all worked out and we'll have to do a follow-up podcast episode uh, once all those other other projects are are out into the ether. Sure. So, um, well, Craig, I do appreciate you being put in the hot seat and your insightful answers, but we have come to our final and what might be my favorite segment of Stack It or Whack It, where I'm going to throw out a few technologies and they are not always well tech related. So be warned now. Um, and you just tell me if they are essentially worth the hype or not. So do I get I have... like a button? Do I get like a like a Jeopardy button or a um, family feud? This feels kind of I'm working on it. I, I just got approval to get t-shirts that say stack it or whack it. So I will be passing that out to, to guests that I've had on the podcast. So if you are willing to wear it, I can at least get you a t-shirt. <laughs> That's right. It's almost that uh, you remember the, in the nineties, the, um, bop it. <laughs> I used to wear a bop, bop it, it twist it, hit it. Yeah. That, that's this. Stack okay. It, whack uh, it. <laughs> back to you. Back to you. <laughs> that's fantastic. So well, I do. I have to ask you, of course, about ChatGPT. I know also Martech is an area that you are passionate about, and so, in its current state, you know, stack it or whack it when it comes to marketing tech, especially in context of our industry. It is stack it, uh, ChatGPT. So I'll pick on Suleiman a little bit. When ChatGPT came out, he struggled. He's like, "This is a plagiarism machine." You know, yeah. he as a journalist for so many years putting content out it really hit home and it, it really bothered him. And he's like, it you know, kind of threatens what you've put forth. And now Suleiman is all over it. I mean, he he sees the applications in terms of prompt writing and the like. So um, he's someone even in a couple of weeks who, after he reflected on it, he said, you know what, I can either get upset about it or I can think about how to use it for good. Um, so for us, uh, stack it. Fantastic. So I know that you are also passionate about charity work. Um, I'm the same. I'm very involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And obviously technology is disrupting every market you can think of, whether it's nonprofit, whether it's healthcare, whether it's wealth management, technology is changing everything. But something I've noticed in the nonprofit world is kind of the disjointedness of fundraising platforms. So would love your stack it or whack it take in, in you know, fundraising platforms in their current state. That's a great question. So narrowly asked, I'm going to say 
whack it from the perspective of the complexity you just mentioned. It is when you're with these organizations, it's hard to navigate some of these new areas in terms of how you can raise funds and then making sure it's a good experience to people giving the money and the like. So, but no, I, I do, I do really like the innovation in the area and it's coming along. So overall supportive, but agree with you. There are some issues right now that, um, that I've seen in terms, in terms of these platforms. So there's some way, there is a ways to go there. I, yes, I completely agree there. Um, well, Craig, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know a little bit more about you, about Advisor Engine, and please feel free to tell listeners where they can learn more about you and what you're working on. Sure. So go to advisorengine.com. Like I said, um, if you want to talk about your practice management challenges you're facing, always love to talk about that. If you just want to look at the magazine, um, it's non-product content around the core areas that your peers are focused on. Um, would love you to take a look at that, give any feedback uh, you like, and it contains a lot of downloadables. So templates and and playbooks, things like that. Um, so check us out. Yes, absolutely. Check out Action Magazine and also be sure to like and subscribe to the WealthStack podcast on all major podcasting platforms and follow all things WealthStack on wealthmanagement.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Craig, thank you again for your insights today and thank you all for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com independent. That's wfa.com independent.